If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome back. I am your host, Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 139 of the Sustainable Minimalists podcast. This week, I am thrilled to introduce you to a new series that I am running this autumn, which is all about self-sufficiency baby steps. Keyword, baby steps. <laughs> this series will bring you a short and sweet interview designed to introduce you to an aspect of sustainability you may never have thought about before. Now, if you are listening right now and you are thinking, heck no, I do not have any time to take on some oversized projects right now. Don't worry, <laughs> because I am not going to expect you to quit your job and start a homestead or live off the grid or anything like that. Instead, I have specifically chosen topics that are easy, attainable, and my absolute favorite, incremental. My hope is that these mini interviews in this series will inspire you to adopt a new hobby that is both fun and also just happens to be eco-friendly. Now, self-sufficiency is a major tenet of sustainable minimalism, and if you have considered yourself an eco-conscious minimalist for a while, you may have likely had an aha moment where you realize that the end goal is actually not a tidy house. It is actually not a crate and barrel-esque home, although that's nice. It's not a pantry filled with perfectly uniform mason jars either, although that is quite nice too. For many of us, and because you're listening to this podcast right now, I might even say for all of us, the end goal is decreased reliance on corporations 
and increased reliance on our own skill set. Enter self-sufficiency. Now, on today's show, we are accomplishing two very specific goals. First, I am offering up a quick introduction as to what self-sufficiency really means and why it matters. And then in part two, I am bringing you an interview with Laura Patterson. Laura is a former nurse whose path led her to growing as a hobby, which eventually turned into growing microgreens as a career. Laura is on the show today to demystify microgreens for all of us, and she argues also that growing microgreens is the perfect first step into a life that is rooted in self-sufficiency. And that's because microgreens are ridiculously easy to grow. So if you're not so interested in the overwhelming task of starting a garden, but you want a quick win and you want to grow something, stay tuned because microgreens may be just the solution that you were looking for. On to part one. What is self-sufficiency and why does it matter? Before we talk about a textbook definition of self-sufficiency, I'm going to start with why it matters. And the perfect real-life example of why self-sufficiency matters is right now, (laughs) pandemic time. COVID-19 just quietly spread around the world at the tail end of last year, and then it swiftly and silently crippled the entire world in 2020. And as economies around the world spluttered to a halt, many Americans found themselves facing uncertain futures. Shoppers panicked, they abandoned decorum, and they cleared supermarket shelves, they hoarded supplies, they left little for others. And the reality here is that the terror that was ushered in by the novel coronavirus pandemic stemmed in large part from the realization that most of us are heavily reliant on corporations to provide survival essentials. If grocery stores and gas stations and other modern conveniences shuttered, you would have to rely solely on your own skill set to survive. It may be sobering to think about how long you could reasonably keep your family fed and warm and hydrated after the last of your food and water and oil runs out. These days, likely you, and definitely I, am a generation or two, or maybe even three, removed from crisis. Yet my great-grandparents and grandparents, and probably yours too, survived a major economic depression and world wars, and they relied on age-old skills, not the supermarket conveniences, in difficult times. They understood, generations past understood, that self-sufficiency provides security in times of sudden illness, financial setbacks like a job loss, and more currently, climate change. Now, when we talk about why self-sufficiency is important, it's important to note on this environmental podcast that self-sufficiency may become more vital to survival in the coming decades. And that is because climate scientists warn us that floods and droughts and heat waves and powerful storms will increase in both frequency and intensity in the coming decades. Melting glaciers and rising sea levels may flood coastal towns, and these towns may remain underwater for good. Powerful storms may wipe out our power grids for extended periods of time, 
and mass migrations of entire nations attempting to escape the consequences of climate change will likely strain communities that are already overburdened by the arrival of hundreds of thousands of refugees. And then there are droughts, right? Droughts may significantly impact the industrial food system that we rely on so heavily. Now, the modern definition of self-sufficiency implies that the notion is intertwined with obtaining gainful employment, right? By these standards, you can be considered self-sufficient in 2020 if you earn a decent salary. Think about a 20-something just out of college who gets a good-paying job that provides him or her the ability to live alone in a bought or rented apartment, purchase all the food, (laughs) purchase food, save a little bit of money, that 20-something would therefore be considered self-sufficient. But I argue that true self-sufficiency is more than the size of your paycheck. And that's because self-sufficiency is more adequately defined as the ability to care for daily needs with minimal help. And you only attain this elusive trait once you have learned those essential skills for surviving. For sustainable minimalists, the end goal isn't that tidy home. It isn't that organized closet. It isn't increased savings in the bank account. The end goal is self-sufficiency, and that is because it is the solution to over-reliance. And here's the key. It is the solution to over-consumption. There are two ways to become self-sufficient. The first is to drop old and harmful habits. And that's kind of what I talk about on 90% of the episodes on this podcast. We are dropping the old way of doing things. We are dropping the unintentionality, the overconsumption. We are dropping those old and harmful habits. The second way to become self-sufficient is to learn new and productive skills. And that, my friends, is the perfect segue into part two of this episode, which is an interview on growing microgreens with Laura Patterson. We will get right into that interview after a quick word from this week's sponsor. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is sponsored by Real Paper. The average American family uses three rolls of toilet paper per week, but there are big problems with conventional toilet paper. Before it was toilet paper, it was a tree, and standing trees are cut down to make paper for our wiping needs every single day. Enter Real Paper, which offers an affordable 100% bamboo solution. Because bamboo grows faster than trees and requires fewer resources to produce, toilet paper made from bamboo is more eco-friendly than toilet paper made from trees. I appreciate that real paper is strong yet soft. I also love that an entire month's supply arrives at my doorstep in plastic-free packaging. Even the tape is paper-based. And as a conscious consumer, I appreciate that real paper makes its sustainability efforts transparent on its website. Ordering is as easy as heading to realpaper.com and choosing how often you want yours delivered. Use code SUSTAINABLEMINIMALIST at checkout for free shipping and 25% off your first order. Laura, thank you so much for joining me on the show to talk about one 
baby step towards self-sufficiency that is really close to your heart, please tell us all, (laughs) what on earth is a microgreen? Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Uh, What are microgreens? Microgreens are essentially baby vegetables. So they're vegetables and herbs that are harvested when they're at the seedling state. So it's really talking more about how old the plants are when you talk about microgreens. So a lot of people are familiar with sprouts. Uh, Sprouts is sort of the first state of germinated seeds. Microgreens is the next state when that uh, germinated seed has actually turned into a seedling. Now, if you left that to go, it would uh, continue to grow into a mature plant. But when they're in that seedling state, uh, they're considered microgreens. And they're usually only about 10 days to two weeks old, uh, depending on the variety, uh, a couple inches tall, and they are super flavor-packed and nutrient-packed. I know that your microgreen growing started as a hobby, and now it's more of a career. Can you walk us through that transition? Yeah. uh, It did start out as something that I did for my family and also for myself. I wanted to, uh, I was concerned about my kids as they started entering picky eating stages, and I really just wanted to connect them. I, I grew up on a farm myself and have just this sort of instinctual desire to eat things out of the ground, I feel like. And I I wanted to give that to them. So some of it came out of wanting to give my kids a sense of connection to growing food. And some of it came for myself. I wanted to have something that I enjoyed doing apart from childcare, apart from maintaining a a house. I had worked outside of the house uh, first decade of my adult life. And it was a it was a little bit of a rough transition to go to being a stay-at-home parent for me. Um, and I struggled to find sort of uh, some balance in my life. And for me, it gave me something that I just really enjoyed doing. I found I really loved to grow uh, plants and particularly plants that could nourish our bodies. So it was, it was for me and for my family that I started it. And, uh, I started to grow for friends and neighbors because I enjoyed growing. I just sort of scaled up my growing and then decided to fund my new hobby. Um, I should start selling to restaurants and it just has kind of snowballed. There's really been a demand in recent times. I've just been blown away by the demand, not from the restaurant scene clearly uh, right now, but from, from people. Um, I started selling to a distributor who reached out to me because they have so many customers through a a home delivery, uh, local home delivery distribution uh, program that were asking for microgreens. And it's just been such an amazing thing to know that I am harvesting these microgreens and they are going to people in my community uh, the next day and they will be getting them on their doorstep and eating them. And that's just been super rewarding for me. So the progression really happened pretty organically and uh, I've just been amazed and and really thankful for it. It sounds to me like growing microgreens on your windowsill or wherever you first started growing them was a way for you to have an identity maybe separate from being a mother, and it gave you a sense of purpose aside from being a mother. And I can relate to that on such a personal level. 
I see the word microgreens on restaurant menus all the time. Not that I'm going to restaurants these days, but back before COVID, when I did occasionally venture out to a restaurant with my family, microgreens were all over every menu we ever saw. And it seems like they're really popular now. So microgreens, I think, first made their real emergence uh, in 70s, 80s in restaurants. And it was really, they were more uh, a decoration, I think, than anything. They're very pretty. They're very vibrant in their colors. And I think that's why chefs were drawn to using them. They really, they really make a plate pop and they're very attractive. I think why they're becoming increasingly more popular with everyday home cooks is because uh, the research is being done on the nutritional content of these microgreens, and they it's it's really shocking what they're finding as far as the the concentrated levels of nutrition, vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that are present in these little greens, sometimes up to forty times as much in the equivalent uh, of a mature vegetable. They're very easy to eat raw because they're so fresh and delicious. So I think people are drawn to them because they are so uh, healthy and because they are so flavor packed and they are very pretty. I was drawn to them for these exact reasons. Uh, I wanted to grow something nutritious for my own family that my kids would eat. I stumbled onto microgreens. I also, like you, had heard about them, but kind of thought they were just for foodies. And I really found that they have a place in the everyday home cook's kitchen. And they have been just so fun to grow with the kids and such a great way to boost my own family's nutrition. Hmm. Why, in your opinion, is growing microgreens the perfect entry point for those listeners who want to start dabbling in self-sufficiency? Growing microgreens is so approachable. I think people who don't have a background in growing can be easily intimidated by the idea of growing food, producing their own food, starting a garden. It's easy to get overwhelmed. And many people don't have the space. They simply don't have the time or the space for it. So microgreens are a very easy way to start down that, that path towards growing food for yourself and for your family. These are something that take up a tiny amount of space. They can be grown on your windowsill and they grow very, very quickly. So you get that reward um, within weeks where you're harvesting and it's very easy to set up a little schedule. So you always have fresh microgreens at your fingertips to add to your meals. And that's uh, just a very, a very easy thing that really anyone can do. So Thank you for that. You've segued perfectly into my next question, which is, how do you do it? How do you do it? It's so easy. I tell people, so many people have been coming to me lately, and I love it. It's really, it's gotten me really excited about sort of taking my own business uh, in a in a new direction. While I do grow commercially and sell a lot of microgreens, what I found I'm really passionate about is is teaching other people to do this. Uh, because it is so simple and it's so easy. And I've seen how people who've started doing it have really just loved it and taken off with it. It's really simple. You can use probably things that you have around your house. <laughs> you need to grow in some kind of a container or pot. 
which you can reuse. You want to make sure that you, if it's not a designated planter, that you have some holes for drainage in the bottom. Microgreens can grow in a wide variety of soils. Uh, they can grow in soilless mediums also. But just to keep it simple, if you have some potting mix or something like that, uh, they will they will grow in almost anything because the microgreens, when they're harvested at such a early state in their life, their energy is really uh, taken from the seed hole itself. So you're not worried about figuring out uh, how to add to the soil fertility and add compost and all those sorts of things that you get into uh, when you're talking about growing a garden. So it's just very simple. Soil in a pot, seeds on top, cover them up. I do add a little bit of weight. Uh, I don't cover my seeds at all. So when they grow, they are clean and ready to eat. And a lot of people are surprised by that, that I just uh, sprinkle seeds very densely on the top of my soil press them down with some sort of a lid, something that fits on the container you're using. And what that does is it sort of simulates what would go on in nature. It creates a dark, damp environment and a little bit of resistance, which helps those plants grow stronger and helps just ensure that they're going to germinate because they have good contact with the soil. Take that lid off and they're going to grow depending on the variety. Um, All they need now is for you to water them uh, and daily with a, a little bit of water and allow some sun. They really don't even need direct sun. And they will grow and be ready to harvest uh, within a week or two, depending on the variety. It's really that easy. Wow. It really couldn't be any easier. You just put some seeds on top of some soil and you just wait a couple of weeks, right? Is that? I think that's essentially what you're saying. It's it's what I'm saying. I think people are always waiting for the the more And sure, you can definitely get more complicated. And if you're growing commercially, there are a lot of uh, different things you can get into to tweak things so that your production is at a as high as it can be. But if you are growing for yourself, it is it is very simple, Um, and it's really fun. You can try different things. So many different vegetables that can be grown as microgreens. Some do better than others. Um, I have some varieties that I recommend people start with that are just easy to grow. Pea shoots are my kids' absolute favorite. They will just snack on them. <laughs> they always have their own container going, and it's it's just really fun to see them excited about it. Sunflower shoots are another easy uh, one that almost everyone loves and has that nice plant protein. Uh, broccoli is a very easy, fast-growing uh, microgreen that you can start with. Hmm. It sounds like to grow a microgreen, you have to then snip off the entire shoot. Is that right? So are you constantly planting more and more seeds? That's right. Yes. So there are some varieties where you can get multiple cuttings. Peas are one example of that where you can cut them all off and continue to water it and you will get a second cutting. It'll be a little more scraggly, (laughs) to be honest. But uh, we often do that and we get quite a few uh, cuttings off of that. But Microgreens are, once you harvest it, is as if you're taking that whole plant. So for most varieties, they are done at harvest, and which is why I recommend that people have a rotation of a, a pot. So when they're removing the lid on their germ- their pot that has germinated, it's time to seed their next pot. And that way they'll always have microgreens available. So you have a, a couple pots going at a time. And once you have harvested all of your microgreens, you can um, either choose to compost that soil and start fresh, 
or you can reuse the soil if you want to do that. Again, depending on the, the variety and how much root mass has uh, emerged into the soil. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing <laughs> your wisdom with a wider audience. I know that you're sell locally in your community, but now you're <laughs> by coming on this show, you've spread the microgreens love around the world. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Laura Patterson. I so hope it inspired you to go out, buy some seeds, and get growing some microgreens on your windowsill. A big thank you to Laura for sharing her expertise. A big thank you to Real Paper for sponsoring this week's episode. And a gigantic thank you to all of you for continuing week after week to tune in and to leave Apple Podcast reviews for this podcast. Keep them coming, by the way. I love reading them. They are the highlight of my days. We are currently up to 298 reviews here in the USA. Can we get to 300? I think we can. And by the way, if you leave a review, you may see it spotlighted on my Instagram stories. So thank you so much for supporting the show in this free and under 60 second manner. Now, everything we talked about today can be found in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 139. And on next week's show, I am so excited about this one. I am bringing you an interview that details all the ethical alternatives to Amazon that are out there. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.